Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. A man was stranded on a desert island for years and years and years. During that time, he had accumulated wooden planks and various things that had been washed up on the beach, and he built a hut for himself and made a life for himself and got used to the fact that he would be there forever and ever. While out foraging one day for food and fruit and getting some water from the stream, he noticed a fire had broken out and he ran and found his hut on fire. His hut had been struck through lightning from a tropical storm. And as he stood there looking at all his possessions that he'd accumulated going up in smoke, he just began to sob and sob and was filled with grief and sadness and doubt and despair. And, and, and he sat down on the ground exhausted up against a tree. And as nightfall came, he just sat there wondering what was he going to do, and he fell asleep. Well, the next morning as he woke up and stood up, he looked out and there was a ship docked off the beach. And he ran down because it was the first time he'd seen anybody. And so he ran down, and there were people that had come from the ship and had landed on the shore. And he said to them, hi. And the captain said, hi, we saw your smoke signal, so we came to rescue you. How many of you realize that sometimes we have to lose everything to find God's perfect will? Sometimes negative things turn out to be the most positive things in your life. And sometimes we have to let go of everything in order to discover the fullness and the purposes of God. God uses all sorts of circumstances in your life. Did you know, and I want you to really pay attention to this, did you know that God, when God uses good people and good circumstances in your life to build your life, it's called mentoring. How many of you love mentoring? But when God uses bad people and bad circumstances, it's called tormentoring. (laughs) And we don't like tormentoring. We think we can grow without tormentoring. However, bad people and bad circumstances grow you. But we never acknowledge that. We only want the good people and the good circumstances. And God's got a plan for our lives, and in the Bible, we read something very specific, which I'm going to come to in a moment, but I've entitled the message today, Understanding God's Purpose in Our Thorns. You see, God leaves weakness and torment and thorns in your life in order to grow us. And sometimes we hate those weaknesses, we look at them, we despise them, we wonder why they're still there. Paul had a thorn, and we'll look at it in a moment. But God uses negative things, thorns, weaknesses, in sometimes they torment us, but they tormentor us. Hebrews chapter 12, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. That's what happens to us. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone who he accepts as his son and daughter. Endure hardship, in other words, go through it as discipline. Watch this. God is treating you as his children. We can doubt that. I think he's given up on me. No, he's treating you as children. A healthy family has discipline in it. 
No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But these profound words, later on. Isn't that like the dedication? These children will grow up to be feisty and disobedient and do all sorts of things and push the boundaries, but we're trusting that later on. Later on, however, it's like in hindsight, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You know, it's nearly Christmas time, and this concept of discipline really is explained in one of the Christmas carols in a line from it, Away in a Manger. You probably can't remember it, but it says this, And fit us for heaven to live with thee there. You know, at Christmas time, And fit us for heaven to live with thee there. You don't know what you're singing. <laughs> what you're saying is, And fit us for heaven. It's basically saying, Spank me, Lord. And at Christmas time, the carols are all like blurred in our minds. No, we're saying, Lord, I welcome challenges, thorns, because they might torment me, but they will torment me. It's so difficult to accept discipline. Can I just say this to you? God doesn't just discipline us because he's moody. God disciplines two groups of people. Listen to me. If you keep getting disciplined by God, you've got to ask yourself some questions. He disciplines the proud and the rebellious. Are you with me? The weak and the broken and the struggling and the humble, he guides, but he doesn't discipline because they don't need discipline. A child that comes and says, Mommy, I'm sorry. Daddy, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to break that. And I know I didn't listen. You're not going to slap them. What kind of cruel parent are you? But the proud and the rebellious, I'll teach you, my boy. Do you want me to smack you? <laughs> no, 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 if you teach your children like that, you're all just saints. Look at you. Look at all the halos. <laughs> you see, it's the proud and rebellious that need it. And uh, God allows trials and weaknesses to humble people, and he uses these things for our good. I love this psalm, and I've quoted it to you before probably numerous times. Psalm 119, verse 67. I used to wander off until you disciplined me. Now I closely follow your word, but notice the next verse, you are good and do only good, teach me your decrees. Notice when you read a scripture, the verses aren't just randomly put together like some puzzle, no, no, they flow. You discipline me, why? Because you are good and you only do good. Now the Apostle Paul in, one, uh, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we don't have time to read, but I need to paint a background. He talks about all the suffering he went through, all the difficulties he went through, and how for the gospel's sake he endured shipwreck and beatings and suffering and rejection and, and, and all sorts of painful things that he went through in his life. And he explains an important principle to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want you to remember that this is the great Apostle Paul who saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, who was mightily used to reach the Gentile nations and was a powerful figure in the early church. Yet, God allowed weakness in his life in order to grow him. If in the Apostle Paul, surely in our lives. And so we'll read from 2 Corinthians chapter 12 about what this godly, committed, faithful, dedicated, and courageous and righteous man went through. I must go, and I want you to notice the word boasting here, because it's important. It's mentioned some five times in the passage. I must go on boasting. 
although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. He says, I know a man in Christ. He's actually talking about himself. You'll see it unfold. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows. He was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I always find it surprising that these people end up in heaven and then they write books about it. Paul says, I went there, I can't tell you. <laughs> Interesting thing. Hmm? But he goes on to say it's quite, quite profound. He says, I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain. So no one will think of me uh, more than is warranted by what I do or say. Or because of these surpassing great revelations. Now it's clear it was him because now he says this. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming what? Conceited. I was given a thorn in my flesh. A messenger of Satan to what? Tormentor me. <laughs> Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. Therefore, he says the fifth time, I will boast all the more gladly. Notice the language here. More gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know what he says? He's literally saying this. I've discovered that I tend to rely on God more when there's weakness in my life than when I'm strong. Do you know what happens to you? Here's a sad thing. Success often breeds arrogance and conceit. God often uses weak people mightily, and then they become full of themselves. I've met a lot of them in green rooms as I've traveled as a pastor. God uses a guy, starts humbly, he grows a large church, and then he becomes full of himself. When he's, when he's invited to speak, he doesn't drink, uh, he only drinks Perrier water, and, and he only wants room temperature snacks, and Is he not read the gospel where Jesus sent out the 72 and he said, take one shirt and stay only in one house and eat what they give you. Don't ask for Perrier water. But conceit comes quickly with success. Business success, spiritual success. And Paul says here, because of the spiritual success, God allowed a thorn. What's your thorn? What is beneath the surface that's pricking you? That you, Lord Jesus, deliver me. I remember when we first got saved, and all the young people used to come on Sunday nights, and we used to have altar calls, and they'd come to the front. Pray for me. What do you want me to pray for? I, I, I look at women and I lust. Would you pray that I stop? No, I can't. You've got a thorn. It's something you have to live with that tells you you're human, that you're not angelic yet. And if you understand it, you'll realize its role is to make you realize you're not such a hot shot. You've got issues and brokenness, which is actually good for you because it tormentors you. 
See, thorns, thorns can be confidential in nature that you will never tell anyone, or they can be so small that you're happy to talk about them. And Paul didn't mention what his was. I can tell you this, that it wasn't sickness. Because God does not use sickness to humble us or to mend us. Sickness is part of the curse. And you study Genesis, you'll see where thorns come from. Genesis chapter 3, thorns and thistles. The, earth. the fall produces imperfection. And God uses the imperfection to shape us and to grow us. Isn't that true? And so thorns are like nuisances. They are like weaknesses, non-productive areas, trials, struggles, physical issues. And Paul prayed three times, this great man, and God says, no, you need to lean on my grace. Because as you lean on my grace, you'll lean on me. And we need to understand that. Mike Iaconelli wrote a book called Messy Spirituality. In the book, he says this, I'm unfinished. I'm unfixed. And the reality is that that's where God meets me in the mess of my life, the unfixedness in the brokenness. I thought he did the opposite. He got rid of all that stuff. Isn't that what we think? But if you read the Bible, or read your Bible, if you look at it all, constantly he was showing up in people's lives in the worst possible time of their life. God leaves weakness sometimes because that's when he can show himself. When the darkness is there, that's when the light shines brighter. Think of all the superheroes that we know. They all have weaknesses. Superman! But bring some green kryptonite and he's weak. Batman, the darkest from the DC universe. You know what his weakness is? He keeps casting his mind back to his memories and his past. There's always something. Iron Man, the mighty Iron Man. <laughs> but the whole suit runs on batteries. <laughs> and when the batteries wear down, the suit's an encumbrance. Isn't that the truth about our lives? So let me give you five things here about understanding our thorn. And the first two will be quick, and I'll spend a little bit of time on number three, and then we'll go quicker. Number one, our weaknesses and trials challenge our view of God. You see, if you're going to walk in faith, God's going to allow things to challenge your view of him so that you will really build strong faith. Isn't that the truth? You see, when you go through trials and you have weaknesses, that's when you wonder if God is in your life and whether God is indeed good. How can good people have trials and weaknesses and challenges? Hardships. Here's the thing. Hardships, besetting sins, or a word that is very interesting in the English, propensities. What are your propensities? Do you know that if you recognize your propensities, you'd be a stronger Christian than if you want to keep praying for those propensities to go? If you've got a propensity for addiction, when you open a bottle of wine, you need to be very aware of your propensity. Pour some, put it away, tell your wife or your husband, don't go to places where it just flows because your propensity will be triggered. If you've come off cocaine and drug addiction and that high and living in that power world of the dynamics of finance and, you know, you go to these high-tech parties where, where all the top people are and you're like hyped. You, you got to, it's a propensity. You don't, you don't just walk away from that, Jesus changed me. No, there's a, when you see that on TV in a movie and it tests your view of God, tests your walk with God. Is God in my life? Why is there weakness? No, we have weaknesses, we have thorns, we have propensities. And uh, we can wrong, wrongly assume that God only sends blessings, not adversity. 
but God allows adversity. Why am I struggling with this? Well, he wants you to trust him, hold on to him, and believe in him. You see, God's more, more concerned with your, with your character than your comfort. And so it'll challenge your view of God. Number two, no one is too weak to be used by God. Most are too strong. Have you ever thought about that? You see, the Apostle Paul was too strong to be used by God. That's why he had to be brought to his knees. He had to fall off his high horse, if it were, on the road to Damascus. Hmm? The strong, self-sufficient, bold, educated, righteous, intelligent, gifted, upper-class man had to come to nothing, as it were, so that God could use him. God had to break him to use him. I don't know if you realize that. And some of us think, I've had people come to me, uh, I want to be used in church. I say, oh, great, why don't you volunteer? No, no, I want to speak like you. I think I've got a... <laughs> takes all my self-control and the rest of my team's self-control <laughs> to go, oh, really? Because you think that natural gift in the world, in the marketplace, with your PowerPoint slides can just be imported up here. No, no, no. You need to be broken before you can stand up here. See, Charles Spurgeon, the great British preacher from the 1800s, he said, whenever God means to make a man great, he always first breaks him in pieces. Charles Stanley, the great retired preacher from America, wonderful man of God, he says, brokenness is God's requirement for maximum usefulness. See, God, I said earlier, God uses weak people. He raises them, but then they become full of themselves because success often breeds arrogance, and then God has to, again, allow weakness, allow something in them. It's his ongoing way of working in their lives. John Maxwell said, brokenness involves removing inappropriate pride and self-reliance and building healthy God-reliance. We have things in our lives that are left there to be used by God because we cannot just be mentored. We need to be tormented. Number three, I'm going to spend a little bit of time here longer than the other two. Are you all still good? Is this helping anyone? Our weaknesses are allowed by God to keep us humble. You see, often arrogance and pride are born out of accomplishments, knowledge, accomplishments, recognition. I want to warn you, if you're in business as a Christian and God blesses you financially with recognition and awards and accomplishments, you've got to guard your heart. You've got to humble yourself or He will humble you. When I go to conferences, I am on the front row and I'm in the green room and I'm driven around and I'm treated like a celebrity and it's yes, past Andre, no, past Andre. And I have to humble myself or that will get to my head. So how do I do it? I turn around and shake hands with people I don't know, and I mix with people from smaller churches because I'm not going to play that game because otherwise God's going to have to slap me. And I know when he slaps me, the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might lift you up, but if he claps you, it pow. <laughs> and I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. God deliver me from it. Now, I want to be confident. I want to be a person of authority. I want to be a person who's unapologetic about what we believe and what we teach. But pride is a different animal. It forgets that God has done something. And when you're successful, God uses these things sometimes to just temper us and to humble us. And, uh, you know, Paul writing to Timothy in 1, Corinthians, uh, sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Why? Because when you have success and wealth, you can become arrogant. 
Look at these people. They're idiots. They, because you live in a world, no, no, you've got to be careful. Can I tell you when you go to restaurants, ask their name, treat them with respect. And, and every time you go back there, it's, when we go to restaurants, because the way we treat the waiters, they all line up. Hi, Lucas. Hi, I'm Paul. Hi, Carlos. Hi, Pastor. There's a guy called Pastor. You, you just, hi, Stefano. Why? Because if you treat people properly, they will treat you properly. You see, you, 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 you are being served and you are paying. But there's just a something. Hmm? And we can become so arrogant in our success. The thorn in the flesh that Paul experienced is important for me to explain to you here what God uses. It's the word scallops in the Greek, which actually means splinter. So how many of you have had a splinter go into your skin? You try and get it out, and as you can get by without pulling it out after a while. You get so, how many of you have dug open your skin with a pin or used the tweezers? You all know. And then eventually you can't get out. Well, I've got to get on with life. And you get on with life until you are busy doing something. Because ah, ah, ah. it's always there to make you aware of your frailty. And a weakness in your life, sometimes God doesn't deliver you from it because he says, I want you to depend on me and be aware of your frailty. Scallops, something you can't get out, something under the skin, under the surface. And uh, some people erroneously teach that we can be freed from all our flesh, if only. I wouldn't bother to preach this morning. I'd just call you up. What's your issue? Oh, you're looking at women. Deliver you in Jesus' name. What's yours? Cocaine. Thou shalt not again in Jesus' name. Why would we waste time preaching? No, no, we preach. And we reach to the word and we rely on the Holy Spirit. Then we, oh, God keeps us humble. That's the church. The church isn't a parade of flawless people. It's a parade of broken people. People with scallops. But God uses quirks, weaknesses, and propensities. Parker J. Palmer was an author, American author. And in his book, The Promise of Paradox, he says, Wholeness does not mean perfection. It means br embracing brokenness as an integral part of life. You see, God will use certain weaknesses in your life, but he will also use certain people. And that's why the scripture says here that this thorn that God used to humble Paul was a messenger of Satan. It wasn't sickness. It was actually people that came against Paul that kept him in his place. Isn't that interesting? And the Old Testament describes it. The Greek term agalos satana means messenger of Satan, and it usually comes in the form of people. In fact, the Old Testament interprets it. That's why we do, not, we do not have any evidence to suggest that it's a sickness. Paul had weak eyes. He once said to the Galatians, you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me. But that doesn't mean that was his thorn. Are you with me? Can't draw wrong conclusions, because it will also go against Scripture, because the Scriptures teach healing. Numbers chapter 33, notice how the Old Testament explains it. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will give you trouble in the land where you live. Judges chapter 2 and verse 3, I will no longer drive out the people living in your land. They will be thorns in your sides and their gods will be a constant temptation to you. And here God's saying, these mean people, God will allow... And they will develop you by being there because you'll have to depend on God. How many of you have got propensities, appetites, habits, things you wish? Oh, God, after all these years, surely you would take it away. Where well, am I in the wrong room? 
Maybe I should look at some of the honest staff. <laughs> Derek and Kogi and Sean and Bianca. Can we just have a chat? <laughs> How many of you know these are things we don't like to talk about? Because it's almost like you should be perfect. How long have you been a Christian? No, no, there's stuff there that's left in the land to remind you, you need to depend on God. We don't depend on God when we're all sleek and looking good and dressed in designer clothes. No, we don't. It's when we recognize who we are. God uses it to humble us. The best way I can describe this, and I preached a whole message on this, I think I've done it twice, on Achilles. Achilles was the famous warrior from the Trojan War, and his mother, Thetis, tried to make him immortal by dipping him into magic water. You remember the story? She took the baby by the heel and dipped him into this magic water to make him invincible in these wars, but she forgot to change hands, and so eventually, when he shot in the foot, and uh, it's by Paris, I think it is, who shot him in the foot, that was the one vulnerable area, and he caused him to die. I believe that when we are baptized, there's some part of us that God says, I'm leaving this. You fully belong to me. You're completely mine, but there's this scallops, this something there that I use to keep you humble and dependent on me. Do you recognize this today? So very, very important for us. It's something we need to understand. A troubling trait. I listed a few here. A troubling trait, a temptation, a propensity. Uh, maybe, you, maybe you attempted to steal. Uh, lie. Cheat. Lust. Greed. Addictive behaviors. Troubling temptations or a weakness. You see, every one of us has got it. Do you remember the rich young ruler? He came. What do I need to do? I've done it all. Lover of his church. The Lord says, go sell everything. Why? Because he had an Achilles heel. He had a thorn. He depended on it. Can have money, but there's a weakness. I was reading about 23-year-old Zayn Malik. He's the former One Direction singer who started a solo career. And uh, he had a solo song. It went to number one immediately across the world. And, you know, great when you go solo, you get recognized immediately. And he was due to perform at a, at, a, at a concert at Wembley, and then he was also due to uh, sing at a concert in Dubai, but he canceled them both, and this is what he said. He cited that he had to cancel them because of extreme anxiety. He said, I speak about it so that people understand that it doesn't matter what level of success you have, where you're from, who you are, what sex you are, what you do, you can still experience these things. It's like he's the superstar. His career was launched with the band. Now he's solo. He's wanted everywhere, but he recognized, I've got a thorn. I've got a thorn. Probably find talking to him must be quite nice. You probably find he's quite humble because he recognizes his weakness. He's had to announce cancellation of concerts across the world. Humbles you. Number four, I hope this is helping. Here we come to tormentoring. Tormentoring and weaknesses are used by God to develop us. Do you know that thorns in your life are like spiritual acupuncture? And I'm not promoting Chinese weirdness, so don't go running off and say, Pastor Andre said we can have acupuncture. Do you know when they do acupuncture, it's actually to heal you. They deaden nerves and... It puts those needles into you. I believe that when you face the pricks and the thorns, 
It's like spiritual acupuncture. God says, I need to prick here, and I need to press there, and I need you to experience this here. And it's not physical sickness, but it's you'll realize then that I actually work through negative circumstances. They say, they say the greatest thing worse than suffering is to learn nothing from it. It's one thing to suffer. It's another thing to learn nothing from it. How are you doing? Oh, man, it's been hard. The last three months, oh, my word, it's been a nightmare. And what have you learned? Nothing. No, God uses it so that we might depend on Him, that we might be humbled. We need to come to a place where we say, I realize why this is happening. Hmm? And so tormentors, listen to this, the, the tormenting people and the tormenting things in our lives, they weaken us, but they also heal us. They weaken us, but they also help us. And I don't know if you realize that you can come through suffering and weakness stronger than you were before. Paul's thorn was left there to develop something in his life. I remember when we went through the whole racist incident in 2016. God used it to do something in me. Even though my intention was not to be racist and to divide the church and to chase people away. You don't get up in a church this size after 30 years of your life and say, well, I don't care what you think. You'd have no idea how many letters I got from people. We just want to let you know about the history of South Africa in case you haven't read. Here's a book. You know what you feel like doing? You feel like writing back. And you feel like using words that you shouldn't use. But God tells you to humble yourself and to love people. And today people read about that racist incident and they come to look because they can't believe it and then they stay in our church. See, God, all... This is the thing I love about the Lord. If you're going to bake a cake, you have to use good ingredients or the cake doesn't come out right. But God can take anything and others. He can take rocks, bolts, spanners, dirty flour, rotten eggs, and you can put it in your... Out comes... It's wonderful, eh? And so God uses tormenting and weaknesses to grow us. Warren Wisby, he passed away in 2019. He's been one of the people whose commentaries and ministry I've followed most of my life from the time I went into the ministry. Amazing man of God. He says this. He says, the Lord knows how to balance our lives. If we have only blessings, we may become proud. So he permits us to have burdens as well. Paul's great experience in heaven could have ruined his ministry on earth. So God in his goodness permitted Satan to buffet Paul in order to keep him from becoming proud. Paul's thorn in the flesh was given to him to keep him from sinning. Exciting spiritual experiences like going to heaven and back have a way of inflating the human ego and pride leads to a multiple of temptations to sin. Had Paul's heart been filled with pride, those next 14 years would have been filled with failure instead of success. You see, we all need to grow, and God needs to grow us. And we have these tormenting experiences. How many of you remember the great uh, hymn writer, John Newton? He wrote the hymn, Amazing. You all know that hymn, eh? But in 1779, he wrote another hymn called, I asked the Lord that I might grow. Anyone sung it in church? I thought not. <laughs> you see, because Amazing Grace, one of the favorite lines is, How sweet the sound. But in this hymn, the line is, how bitter the taste. And I want to read it to you quickly here as the time ticks on. He says, I ask the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace, might more of his salvation know and seek more earnestly his face. T'was he who taught me thus to pray, and he I trust has answered prayer. But it has been in such a way as almost drove me to despair. 
I hoped that in some favored hour, at once he'd answer my request, and by his love's constraining power, subdue my sins and give me rest. Instead of this, he made me feel the hidden evils of my heart and let the anger's angry powers of hell assault my soul in every part. Yea, more, with his own hand, he seemed intent to aggravate my woe. You can see why people haven't sung this. Crossed all the fair designs I'd schemed and blasted my goods and laid me low. Lord, why is this, I trembling cried? Will thou pursue thy worm to death? Tis in this way, the Lord replied, I answer prayer for grace and faith. These inward trials I employ from self and pride to set thee free and break thy schemes of earthly joy that thou must find thy all in me. Forgive the language, but he's saying, I prayed and I sought the Lord and I said, get rid of all this stuff. And he said, I'm going to do something unique in you. I'm going to show you your weakness, going to leave some thorns so that you'll completely depend on me because you just don't need mentoring. You need poor mentoring. So easy for us. You see, I want you to realize this. Negative people in your life, those of you that, that are complaining and, 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 and don't do this, don't go walking into your job and say, I'm sick and tired of you, I'm leaving. And then you tell your friends who are Christians, I'm trusting God. No, you're not trusting God. You've just lost your cool. Those people that you don't like, those mean people could be the very instrument of God that you need. Because if your life is in God's hands, He uses everything. To mentor and tormentor you. And when you work with difficult people, you grow. You need to see it as school fees. University. Where do you work? I work for this company, but it's got nothing to do with that. It's my university. Oh, really? What are you? What degree? I'm going to have a degree in humility <laughs> and a degree in endurance. God uses these things to grab us. And he always turns out, everything always turns out good. Psalm 119, verse 91, we're nearly done. Your regulations remain true to this day, for everything serves your plans. Isn't that a wonderful verse? And we need to recognize that everything God uses for our good. Number five here, and I'll wrap up quickly. Grace enables us to deal with our weaknesses. See, the grace of God isn't just forgiveness, but it's the power to do what we naturally can't do. You see, grace is given for our sins so that we can be saved because we can't save ourselves. But that's not the only thing with grace. Grace is there to save you because you can't save yourself, but grace is there to help you where you can't help yourself. Where you can't overcome your own weaknesses, you lean on Him and you worship Him and you walk with Him. And we need to draw on grace and our troubles and weaknesses cause us to draw on grace. Mike Iaconelli, in messy spirituality, and I'm nearly done, the worst kind of brokenness is the kind that you don't know you have. The power of the church is not a parade of flawless people, but of flawless Christ who embraces our flaws. The church is not made up of whole people, rather of the broken people who find their wholeness in Christ. He was broken for us. And then lastly, Jason Gray, he's a Christian singer, been through a rough time, got divorced. He says, when I come clean about my brokenness, others catch glimpses of how the real grace of God works in the messy life of a real person.
recognize it and uh, recognize that everything serves God, God's purposes, recognize that you've got weaknesses, allow them to fulfill their purpose in your life and keep clinging to God and don't doubt His goodness. Keep realizing that all things do work together for good and that God's purpose will be fulfilled. And don't walk around as though you're perfect, pretending to be perfect. Because sooner or later, your imperfection will pop out. Can you say amen? We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.